0: Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat-Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you.
1: Hey everybody, it's the Rap Night of Dark, Evan Vaught, and this is Ben Polanski. Now what the fuck did I just say? These assholes have been bothering me to introduce them, and now I do, and they switch names on the show. So... This is Sammy Warm Hands. The show is the Bat Fanatic Podcast. And I gotta shout out our sponsor from day one, Radar Toys. You can always get free shipping in the U.S. at RadarToys.com and still save 10% using the code BATFANPOD. Now, today we are going to do one of my absolute favorites, a modern classic from the New 52. This is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, The Court of Owls. And stay tuned for a surprise at the end. Fair warning, we come in a little filthier than normal, so if you want to bypass that, skip to about 215, and you're in the clear, all right? 215, here we go. Oh, it looks better than Nora Free's pussy from behind.
2: (laughs) I'm just, like, trying to picture an angle in which you see, like, the butt, and she,
1: the so she was on the, what do you mean? Have you ever fucked from behind? She was over the shoulder, and so her legs are draped down his back? The shot is from behind. The shot is from behind them walking away. Her waist is right here, and her legs are draped down his back. Oh, I,
2: th- I, was th- I thought it was the opposite. I thought you were her sitting leg, yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, no, and she's, I was like, man, what the, like, how huge, It's how huge are her vulvas? So he's
1: walking <laughs> towards the camera, right, Yeah. and okay. he's holding her like this, and each hand is holding a leg, and he's spreading them yeah, for the...
2: I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, how, how are you seeing right down the pipe? It, you this?
1: this part's just for Jacob. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that makes a little more sense anyways.
1: On that note. No. Not on that note.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> ah, that's the perfect segue.
1: <laughs> All right. I know you guys like doing this since I remembered. I've got Evan in the house.
2: Hey, what's yo, up? Yo, 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 yo!
1: See, but Ben said some shit over the top. Evan, Go.
2: Hey. God hey. damn it!
1: Fine. Fine. He likes it. I tried to give it to him. But this is the uh Batman and the interrupting Evan show, so
2: I'm Evan. All right. Uh, it's great to be back, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys are still enjoying this, cause uh I I am
2: uh, well, if you weren't paying me, I'd probably... You. Wait, you're getting paid bullshit. Oh!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I've been outed.
2: Shut up, Evan.
1: All right. Court of Owls, 2011, and City of Owls, uh, I think 2012. Written by Scott Snyder. Penciled by Greg Capullo. Inked by Jonathan Glapian. Colored by FCO. Letter by Richard Starkings and Jimmy Betancourt. What a fucking all star cast, man. Like, I wrote in all caps perfect right from the beginning.
2: I feel like you should mention all the other people. So, this just has the longest contributing <laughs> people intro.
1: Who am I missing? So, published by. No. <laughs>
2: No, you have the other one-shots with the other artists. James Tyne the fourth. Oh, yeah. yeah, so
1: so James Tynan in the fourth did the uh, backup issues with Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of slipped in. I don't even know if they're in Court of Owls, but they they do a few parts in City of Owls. Uh, just City of Owls. I think
2: all those one-shots are in the second
1: one. I think that's right, yeah. That was, from what I understand, James Tynan's first writing work for DC was just straight-on Batman because he had been sort of a right-hand man to uh, Scott Snyder as a, a person he could bounce ideas off of when he was working on this. Mm-hmm. I listened to him do an interview on a a podcast that's all about Tim Drake. They were talking about that. I'm pretty sure that this was his first work in comics, was straight to the number one marquee name. That's uh, pretty wild. Yeah, pretty cool.
2: At what point did Capullo end up doing stuff for DC? Like, how did he. I haven't followed his career other than knowing about Spawn, but how did he get from there to here? What well, was his first thing?
1: Well, from what I understand, Snyder and Capullo, this is their first shit for DC. Because if you look at, like, the back covers and shit, they'll say. Yeah,
2: I appreciate all the hard work that Evan puts into uh, all his, like, phone research. That really means <laughs> a lot to me.
1: It says, like,. Capullo, Spawn. Scott. I mean, it
2: Sh- did
0: spawn from 93 to 2000.
1: Scott Snyder, American Vampire. So, yeah, I think this is their first shit for DC for both of them. Huh. And then around the same time, I think Snyder did Black Mirror with Jock. I haven't read that one yet. We should do that.
2: I have
1: read that. I like Jock.
2: Murphy also had a little run on American Vampire, too. Oh, really? Yeah, Murphy had, like, Punk Rock Jesus and American Vampire and... Batman
0: Tokyo Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Callbacks. I, uh, I really like Ray Capullo's art style. It
0: lends itself to multiple different kinds of Batman scenarios because it's kind of cartoony a little bit, at least with the uh. faces and some of the proportions, but it's still detailed enough to do the, like some more of the horror looking elements Yeah. across really well in Th- it.
1: That's what I love about it is that. Particularly in the later stuff like the Death of the Family when you get the really gnarly, disgusting shit. I mean and you have a little bit of that in the, the talent fights. But then when
0: Bruce is going mad, you know, he starts looking pretty happy. Oh my yeah. god, yeah.
1: That element is amazing. And then also, like you said, just these scenes of the actual characters in Tux's talking or whatever, it, it sort of has that Bruce Tim archetype in its DNA, you know.
0: Yeah, it looks cartoony in a good way.
1: And, like, yeah. big, broad shoulders and chins and things like that, you know?
0: That's how you know Lincoln March is going to be someone, because he just looks like Bruce Wayne, but he's a half a foot taller well, and a half a foot wider.
1: I he remember when I first picked this up, I'm reading the first issue going, wait, wait, who's talking? Which one am I looking? I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't know about this artist. Like, what? why the fuck do these guys look the same? And then... Uh, you know, you turn the page a couple times, you're like, I don't, yeah, no, the art is pretty fucking great, actually. And, but, like, at, at first, because that's one of the first scenes, it just confused me. I'm like, what, who is talking? Like, which one is, they both look, I thought that was Bruce talking.
2: I think that his standard character facial art is my like, least favorite thing that he does. I think it has a decent style to it, but you have some artists that they do traditional drawing techniques, like hatching and cross hatching and stuff really well. Um, You'll find that it goes both ways sometimes. Some people only do a simple style and can't do complicated. And Capullo, I think is more like the opposite where his best stuff is where there's like a lot of crap going on and a lot of lines. And then when stuff looks more simple, it looks less good to me. So my least favorite things are just like Bruce Wayne's face talking i i think i'd rather see the city and, and batman and all the other stuff i
0: can get that but but when he's wearing the mask i really like the way this batman looks yeah and it's the same oh, simplicity yeah, yeah. but i just like that it looks different from batman i've seen both before and after because of that it almost looks and, more like wolverine like the way they draw
2: wolverine or something
1: yeah it's hard to
2: draw wolverine i only mean that like you'll have um, random old lady character later on, like Corval's old lady character. Mm-hmm. And if you had that artist draw somebody with wrinkles, you'd be like, fuck yeah. They got like a ton of lines on their face. Mm-hmm. But when they're forced to do something that looks soft or more simple or like a child or something, it just looks like they're less suited for it. Uh-huh.
1: You're right. Cause there's, oh, yeah. there's just more uh,
2: negative just, space. Yeah, like it's just not—it's just not as much in their wheelhouse. It doesn't come. Unskilled? As the, Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> nope. I just think that something come easier to people. <laughs> oh, no, shut up. Uh, he's it's so hard. When, when I was looking at his stuff, uh, because I hadn't really seen anything other than Spawn, and that's in the past. That's like uh, looking at comic books at the grocery store, comic books, and but his his art simultaneously reminded me of a couple different people i wrote down there's times where it looked like john ramita jr um a guy named umberto ramos chris baccalo and j scott campbell like all at the same time it had elements of all these different dudes
1: yeah stylistically he's very high on my batman artist list man
2: i dug it too one of my favorite things is when He gets the times to, uh, especially when Batman is in the maze and he's tripping out and stuff starting to get to him, there's like a shot where he's walking away from what would be the camera and somehow his cape is like 20 feet behind him or something and and like his little spawn details start to come out like... As soon as everything starts to get torn up and everything, I'm like, yes, this is exactly like this yeah. is what you do really good.
1: It's some Kelly Jones shit almost, you know. It's yeah. like it's not as exaggerated, but it it's definitely wild.
2: Especially where he, in his mind, anyways, turns into that raging bat beast. I was like, this is <laughs> yeah. so cool.
1: I think the opening of this is flawless, though. I mean, in terms of the writing, you have that great Gotham is set up from the Gazette or whatever their their newspaper is in this version. You have that pieced over the Arkham Breakout, which is just a great excuse. I mean, this is issue one for the reboot. You're giving the artist a chance to draw every character because of the Arkham yeah. Breakout. You know. Meanwhile, With zero
2: consequence. Yeah.
1: Me- meanwhile, you're getting all this exposition about the 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 DNA of the city, which I think the thing that appealed to me most when I first read this in terms of the story was that Gotham was kind of the character and they're they're digging back. They're not like the newest villain in town is you know, it's like they're digging into history and things find the newest villain. Yeah. The things that we already know but they're peeling back layers and giving us more that in the past. I don't know. I just thought that they really enrich the history. They start right out of the gate, just like, this is the type of story we're going into and they do it very well.
2: I love a story that's rooted in the past where we're uncovering stuff while somebody else is uncovering stuff or we're seeing the culmination of somebody's really well thought out plan decades down the line or something. I, I love a story that has history.
0: I think, as I said before, like the first little bits of Tom King's run, which come after this, threw me for the same reason that I suppose this could have, but it didn't. Because I don't think I'd read Batman comics for a while before reading this when I first read it. And so what I was expecting from it or what I thought Batman to be wasn't so firm like it was after finishing uh, Snyder Capullo's run and then immediately starting Tom King's run without even a break. It's a different character at that point and the world's a little different. That threw me off. But so with this one, I think it works really well because even though anytime they do these reboots, they do pack a whole lot of the existing story in. Like it still exists in some ways. Year one is still a thing even though there's year zero also and all that kind of stuff. Having this secret society Under the City works well because this is kind of a new Batman. Yeah. I don't know how I would have felt about it if I had been reading Batman comics consistently and then just got to this one where, like, now there's a new society of people who've been here the whole time manipulating everything, even though...
1: You're right. It's a great jump-off point if you're starting over.
0: Yeah. And it could have been bad. But I don't know if just the skill of these two guys is what made it work so well. Because it's a hard sell. The guy is supposed to be, like... A brilliant tactician superhero. This is happening under his nose the whole time, and he doesn't have any idea of it at all.
1: Well, that's not true though, because the the fact is, people suggest it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, I've I've looked into all that. I've followed the clues. I've taken it to its conclusion. You know that that it's it's not that. You know, in, in fact, there's some this deep denial." when it's becoming clearer that that's what it is, he's still going, no, I fucking already, you know, he's like stubborn and not coming around to it as quickly because he's already done the research. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I know my research is good. Like, bitch, you were a kid when you did that research. You did not have the same experience to know what to do. There's a chance. He even
0: says that. He says, I went back later when I was an adult and looked more. Yeah. Yeah that's what i mean that's the stretch of it that again works because it was fresh for me but it is a little hard the idea that this guy he thinks they don't even exist at all no evidence whatsoever
2: i think that part of it ties into the fact that he doesn't want to accept by the time you get to the end he he's turned around and he's realized you know i wanted to think that gotham was mine Or whatever so i think that yeah it's part it's partially about the court of owls and i think also the court of owls are just kind of another one of those things in the same category or kind of a symbol he the court of owls remind him that he was wrong in the first place you know he he wanted to think that they didn't exist just like he wanted to think that gotham was his city really it wasn't he was wrong and so he had to come to terms with multiple things at the same time Mm
1: How about the uh, Joker showing up to fight by his side in the beginning?
0: <laughs> I, I when I read stuff. this the first time, I, I, like, I was
2: ready what? to go, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like,
1: yeah. You're like, what the fuck is going on right now?
2: <laughs> I thought that his character design in particular was, was cool. Again, because there's you're not going to see him. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to explain things really anyways. Uh, you know, like, dude wants a random wardrobe change. Let him have it. But... I liked his little uh, Jester-esque diamond eye makeup and stuff like that, but, but I, I, I thought that was a cool take on him.
1: I mean, Capullo's Joker is up there with Brian Bolland for me. It's, it's as good as exists.
0: Yeah, it, it's like what, what I think Suicide Squad, Jared Leto, Joker. I mean, if there's anything about that character that's good, it's the way he looks, and I still think he kind of looks like a chump. What? The Jared Leto Joker?
1: The look is the thing you like?
0: If there was any, because I don't like really anything about him, but I do think it's, uh, I, if you dial it back a little bit, it's not a terrible
1: Well, reimagining you, of the Joker. He, he does sort of have the end game haircut. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's what I mean. So the, yeah. this is like
0: a, a version of that kind of Joker that
2: works, where in Suicide Squad it doesn't. Yeah. But um, I, I actually agree with Ben. I, I think that the Joker in Suicide Squad is cool, and I think that part of the reason Ben and I both like it is because. We're more familiar with Japanese stuff, and they get really buck wild with their character designs. And so you're <laughs> thinking you're thinking of Joker as the Joker, and we're coming from a place that's more accepting of like these pretty wild looks. Yeah, you up. have a closed mind, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, just, I agree. Just, you just, but You I won't. picture the character, and it's, I, I think it's cool. I love like I love the gold and purple combo. I think a lot of things are cool about it. I don't care if he has tattoos or not. I can't decide those kind of things. I appreciate pe- people's different versions of stuff.
1: I will I save my thoughts for this for when we go into the Snyderverse at a later date because I'm not here to trash Leto at all. Uh, I just was surprised by that wording that you chose.
2: Like, my, my favorite thing about the all-star Batman and Robin Joker was the, girl with the dragon was tattoo. His, yeah, was was his back tattoo. That was my favorite part. Like, man, that's what he's needed a whole time is just a huge Asian dragon tattoo. That but, guy doesn't scare me at all until he got that huge back
1: tattoo. Okay, but the thing about uh, that I was getting to about the the intro Joker <laughs> team up fight, right? Is nope. that you have you have the reveal that Dick was playing the part, right? What was it? It was like was like believable? It's like you were asking me were you convincing as a murdering psychopath? <laughs> like yes. But uh, he was undercover to get the intel that one of the guards was corrupted, and so that was how they you know, he figured it out to stop it before it broke out any bigger, you know? Yeah. This
2: this Bruce is like a, a super tech version too, how yeah. the whole the party is like the means to utilize some new facial scanning technology and all this (laughs) shit like damn like or his uh his like ocular contact contact lenses Yeah, yeah like damn this is so cool
1: i keep the back computer everywhere i go
2: yeah whoa a lot of it seemed like
0: talking about their run in general that's that greg capullo wanted to draw stuff like that even more i mean as you start getting into like dark knight's metal or even the last couple arcs of yeah. this run, there's more of, like, mech suits and robots and vehicles. Yeah. You get that throughout this run, and you just get the hint of it with the technology in this one. But it, it, it starts amping up more and more. Or even, like, the, um, what they? what's the Lincoln March called? The lead Talon? The Talon? They're just the Talon. Talent. yeah, or Alman, I guess he's Alman. Oh, yeah, talent. you're right. <laughs> yeah, but like that suit already looks borderline like an anime suit or something like that, and mm-hmm. again, not as a bad thing.
1: Yeah, it works great.
2: You can tell that he wants to head that direction, you know. That's like if you're an artist or a creator with an independent title and you just do whatever you want, but you have like something that you really want to do, you know. I bet anybody is pretty pumped to be like, oh, fuck yeah, I got to drop Batman, but then. Like, ah, I really wish I could draw a giant robot Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, We get it at the end of this story. Yeah, especially because this is some years ago and knowing that now there's metal Batman and stuff, like where he ended up, like, oh, yeah, you can see how all this was like precursors yeah. to that. Like, man, he just really wanted to draw like more mo- motorcycles and more spikes <laughs> and stuff.
1: It's true, man. I just got their finale, you know, their final Batman story team up. What the fuck is it? Last called? Night, night on Earth.
2: Snyder and Capullo, you mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, and okay. it is so fucking weird. It is <laughs> beyond weird. Like, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I'm really excited about this, and like, I didn't get into the the Batman who laughs with the fucking spikes for eyeballs and weird shit. I like, love it. That's my jam. I didn't. <laughs> you know, I I read the first issue of Metal, and it was way better than I thought. But it's still just like not really what I'm looking for, so I didn't ever pick it up. I was like, yeah, I want to read the final chapter, you know, and see how they draw this thing to a close. I'm like, through that entire hardcover, there was, like, one scene that felt like this, like, actual Batman Gotham shit, and everything else was just off the rails weird. (laughs) I like the sort of Harvey Dent-ish speech he gives in the beginning, the Thomas Wayne quote, the tomorrow is just a dream away that sort of uh, becoming a callback later. I don't know, just everything that they do to dive into Batman, Wayne, Gotham lore right in the beginning to set the stage is just the shit that I live for, man.
0: Yeah, it feels very true to the character, despite being a reboot or a soft reboot or whatever it is. Yeah. He's a philanthropist. He has a lot of money. There's other elements at playing Gotham against him, despite him being a hero, despite him having a ton of money. He can't just throw money at all his problems and make him go away. And some of the biggest problems can't be solved by that at all. He's got to go in.
1: Well, yeah. And, and then the second issue, they start again with very just grounded stuff. He's flying out the window, right? So you got the crazy action set up, but then they dig into the architecture of Wayne Tower It's world building, but it also plays into the fight later when it happens. You know, he's like, he tried to use my city against me. Well, ha, ha, ha. He didn't know about the 13th floor, you know. Catches that fucking... The 13th gargoyle. Yeah, the gargoyle and breaks his fall, you know. I think all that shit is so cool because there's nothing... It's like I talked about Breaking Bad writing. You know, Vince Gilligan would show you something mundane, and you're like, why? And then... 20 minutes later or maybe three episodes later or something you'd be like ah that's how yeah, it
0: i won't spoil it but the pink teddy bear i think is dumb but i won't say anything more than that
1: <sighs> all right all i right. just mean little stylistically you see what i mean
0: yes i do yeah. you're wrong but yes
1: okay well i'm out see you later
2: <laughs> no one challenges me on my own podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm Ben
1: Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do a fake outro right there. That'd be Welcome great. Back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sam's not here anymore. We killed him.
1: Uh, so we dig back into Alan Wayne, the fund that was used to build the properties of each of the owls' nests, quote unquote. This is the stuff that he found when he dug into that hidden 13th floor. I think it's cool they give you ancestry on the Waynes and the Pennyworths in this series. I really dug just getting to see each of those
0: Talon nests that he finds has a different visual theme. Yeah. yeah.
2: Being built in a different era. These have existed for a long time. Here's some different examples. Yeah. Yeah. Though there's nothing really extraordinary about the lettering in this. For some reason I really freaking like it. Like it it really it really fits. I love Batman's narrative the whole time. But yeah. all of his, all of his text boxes have like a grey color and it really fits like the palette really well. And it has like his little mini bat logo kind of semi transparently behind the letters. Or yeah when Nightwing talks he has like a, a baby blue and a red logo or something. Yeah, it it just it's made to fit really well rather than being like a standout white box or something. You know, here's this picture of a drab city or there's a lot of times where there's kind of a Red or a maroon skyline or something, and then the gray boxes just fit that stuff really well.
1: Ben, let me ask you this the sort of daylight panels, like when they're fighting the Talon in Wayne Tower in plain clothes, wow. yeah, doesn't this have sort of an invincible vibe to it? Like it's, yeah, because it's, of the
0: palette, and again, the cartoony look of it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really does. And you don't get that necessarily in all the darkness and the shadows, but. In some of these shots, it, it really, wh- what's that guy's name, Robert Kirkman? Is that right?
0: Robert Kirkman's the writer, and then I want to say it's Tony Moore is the artist. But oh,
1: it could be yeah. Like, confusing and I like using him with somebody else. I'm Invincible?
2: Yeah. yeah. Ryan yeah. Otley is the artist. Ryan Otley. There okay.
1: And I fucking love that series.
2: And I've never read it. <laughs> it
1: it's got shades of it, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like it so much. And I like Year Zero more than this arc, but I still like this arc a lot. Because so much of it takes place in the daytime, that you get that the colors that uh, Greg Capullo does, so, or I guess it's not him, but the in this run, this arc, yeah, these colors are, are gorgeous, and you get a little bit of the interesting colors in the owl's labyrinth, but it's mainly whites, yeah, but it's still so bright, and there's a lot of interesting contrast there. Yeah, the contrast is
2: popping in that part,
0: and really highlights
1: that, his
2: degenerating state.
1: That whole scene is incredible. I mean. Great detective shit, he's following the chemicals in the water, you know, to go to this specific area, and then the talon pulls him under, right? And so, he drinks from the fucking tainted-ass water.
0: Knows he shouldn't.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But it's like a week, it's been a week already, and he hasn't had any water.
1: Yeah, and so he does this, and as he gets more and more fucked up, I've never seen anybody do this, but they flip the pages 90 degrees... I don't know if you guys are seeing this in the digital formats. Um, it does it. it yeah.
2: works too. Yeah. I read I was, it on my TV this time, so I couldn't yeah. turn the TV over, so I just kind of... I, <laughs> I yeah, was dude. sitting out on, the, out on the deck and reading. It switches to... so that they're, you know, horizontal but running vertical. Yeah. that's good. Like, no? Yeah, I was like, is this him trying to... You know, is this like a two-page spread being... Because you can't tell what's a two-page spread when yeah. it's digital. They'll, they'll just combine it. So I'm like... Is this, is this just two and then just catch it like this? And then, you know, you go a couple more and it's upside down. And I was like, ah, my iPad's busted or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So i, I like, back. yeah, well, I, I flipped it. I like fully flipped it only to have it rotate back to upside down. I was like, yeah, ah, okay. <laughs> and so then I set it on my lap and I read it upside down and Amber's like, What's going on? <laughs> and it's like, ah man, they're just they're just they did some really cool stuff with this, but I'm having to read it upside down. It's freaking
1: weird. Well I remember the first time I read it was this hard copy and I was like, Whoa, did I get a misprint or something? And then you you, you start <laughs> reading and you're like, oh, it's cause he's losing his fucking mind, right? Yeah, and you get uh, four full pages of that and then another ninety degree turn and then what fucks you up is you keep turning in that direction, now the pages are fully upside down and it resolves itself mm. when the issue's over and that's when you turn it back to normal. <laughs> like It's that's a really cool thing. Fucking nuts, man. Like, it's so innovative. I love it. Which
2: is cool because whoever's idea that was, they obviously, they drew it right side up, you know, but they're yeah. like, nope. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> He's so talented, he threw the whole thing upside down. <laughs> that, that'd be actually, actually incredible. But, um, you know, what a, what a simple way to like, oh, how can we illustrate his disorientation in just a slightly different way? Let's just spin these things around. And so there's a, there's a book that I didn't read, but it's called the house of
0: leaves. And it came out a while ago and I think that was part of its gimmick at times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, thought I, was gonna, I thought that was gonna—that was gonna be the end. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read it,
0: so yeah, I was like, "What were what you gonna say, Sam?" <laughs> that was really helpful. Thanks. Yeah. But I think that was the gimmick of the book is that there were times when you had to like rotate it and read it through that. So gotcha. Gotcha. I don't think this is the first usage of it, but it's the first use I've seen in a comic. Yeah.
2: Uh, there used to be a band called the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard any of their music.
1: <laughs> I like that. This is the kind of intelligence that we want to see in Batman where he's deeply down this psychological rabbit hole and physically trapped in this fucking maze, right? And then as he's hallucinating his elderly parents still alive, that is the thing that's like, oh, fuck, no, this isn't, no, no, this isn't real. He's self-aware enough, even as intoxicated with the chemical as he is, that he can jump out of it, you know?
2: It's full, cool too, to have the perspective of somebody who's as astute as him, because anybody else would probably, kind of a layman, would have less of a narrative or less of an idea of what was really transpiring. And so Batman, who's, like, so so smart and so lucid and stuff... Yeah. He knows he's been drugged. Yeah, he knows what's up. Yeah, he, he can like, he, the feelings. Yeah, water... I got idea. Got to do it anyways, and you know, you you really get his struggle against it the
0: whole time. No, Bruce, shut up, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene in particular, in that same vein, highlights the fact that he is so smart, but that also sells a lot of the vulnerability of it too. Because despite being so smart and so skilled, he's clearly like, even though you know what's going to happen, you know he's not going to die here. I felt the threat and the stakes in this scene especially with the way it ends when he's remembering the Alan Wayne story and the owls are swarming over him and he's starting to cry. Yeah. Mm. Like he's crying in because he's just tired. He's, he's been stabbed through the heart and like kicked through the wall or stabbed through the guts or something Yeah, like he gets that. fucked up. Yeah, yeah, extremely so. And you believe it. I mean, the way they illustrate it and the way it's written, he seems fucked up. Yeah. Especially but he still manages when, to come back from that.
2: Especially when the physical threat becomes part of it too because, you know, you could... It can be really prolonged by just leaving a person to like wander a maze for a long time and you're just kind of messing with their head and stuff. But to be like, uh, he's, he has to be so dehydrated, so hungry, so weak, his lips are clearly chapped. Yeah, he bad. Uh, and then to be like, oh, now, two weeks into it, you need to fight this dude who just got done eating a meal. You know, like, <laughs> it's kind of the Bane thing, you know, like if you were ever gonna get your ass whooped. Right now is the time, because you're weaker than ever.
1: Well, again, that's the key, is that Snyder put him in this position where we're going to have to see him square off against more than one of these guys later, yeah. right? So we have to show that it's valid threat, but to do that in a way that makes him vulnerable, we have to break him down first.
0: Mm-hmm. One part of it's not going to make sense. either later, when he beats five of them, Yeah, when he starts... Turning the tables. I mean, that was some good Batman stuff. Yeah. That way of, like, overcoming the situation and fighting through it.
1: Following this, you have the uh, autopsy of the Talon, which is kind of great. Because, I mean, again, all this ties back to this was his first detective case. You know, they they really drive that home. And it's reopened now. And and he finds the the dead coins placed under their... Tongues back in that era were made from this electrum. Uh, and that's how they triggered their reanimation later on. And and you know, they dive into the the DNA and find out, oh shit, this is like Dick Grayson's great grandfather. And I like that. It's sort of soap opera y they always do these like, oh, everyone's related twists. But I like that they he found this little Fucked up filling that had the engraving, you know, in his tooth. He's piecing this together. And so, as he's kind of that classic Batman slaps Robin meme, you know, like they kind of recreate that as like he's trying to explain shit to Dick. And then he just like backhands motherfucker in such a way that perfectly pops out the. I don't know if it was the whole tooth or just the filling.
0: Not four other two <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: What if it like didn't come out the first time? You just like keep slapping <laughs> on the right. And it comes out like oops, not. Huh, now let me try again. <laughs> Here's try the about. point I was trying to make. Well, yeah, Al- yeah. that was. Oh, oh, oh,
1: <laughs> Alfred's a dentist as well. Okay, he could do everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it would have been simpler second. if they just said, "Hey, there's a thing in your mouth." Yeah. Let's pull it out gently.
2: Let me check yeah. out your teeth real fast, Dick.
1: <laughs> He's like, "Nah, dude, you could just leave it in. Like, it's fine." Yeah. How else? at work slapping you in the face into this.
2: I love their uh, it's like a couple times in the story where they come back to base like gotta regroup, gotta talk to Dick gotta do some stuff, gotta talk to Dick again. I particularly like the way that their relationship is shown and the dialogue between the both of them. I like that a lot. I don't think that you do this intentionally Sam but when I was reading this Batman, biggest compliment of your life, I was thinking about you when he was talking. Yeah.
1: Oh my god.
2: Probably not for the reason that you think because of the list? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because you have this thing of you're really good about saying what you need to say, (laughs) regardless if the recipient will take it very well or not. (laughs) You just say the stuff that you need to say and you're pretty curt and you're to the point. (laughs) And that's rude (laughs) really. I mean, it depends. Some, it's not all, the message may or may not be rude. I don't think saying the thing that you need to say is rude. In different scenarios, it could I, be. I uh, agree. He's pretty disrespectful most of the time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I read this. Uh, Bruce is just like just a, an asshole, a real asshole. It, it made me think of you. He seems to like cut people short a lot. He's like, nope. You're wrong. Says that he needs to say. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. anyways, that's all. I just pictured you when he was saying this stuff. Like, this Batman always says the stuff that he needs to say, and he's always on point, and he's not afraid to, like, call people out or correct them or whatever. It's the hard
1: truth, man. Needs to be (laughs) said.
2: That's not how you pronounce it, Ben.
1: I'm trying to help you look better as the show goes on. (laughs)
2: Sound <laughs> yeah, you can't, you ah, can't, you can't see with your me. eyes. That's I can't true. look on a podcast. That's
1: true. That's <laughs> true.
2: You remind me of Batman.
1: No, That's I like what that. Wanted
0: to say.
2: That's what I wanted to say. I don't want to beat around the bush, Sam. I love you. You I'm, remind me of Batman.
1: I'm going to take, <laughs> like I did with Ben, I was like, oh, just say you're right again, and I just looped it a few times. I'll have yeah, to, yeah, I'll have to yeah, do that yeah. again.
2: I love you. I love you.
1: <laughs> I love you. <laughs>
2: I'm glad that we're friends. I'm so glad that we're friends. (laughs) You remind me of Batman. You remind me of Batman.
1: Yeah, see, you say that, but, like, I am so much more restrained and trying to be civil in my head than I ever was 10, 15 years ago. So, like, I wish that I was more of a prick. I'm much more aware of other people's feelings now. That might not show...
0: It doesn't,
2: no. Boy, I try. He that's terrifying to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I sure... Yes, is you
2: trying?
1: Yeah, you're getting the, the kid gloves me at 34. I mean, you knew me when I was younger. I, I feel there's a big difference, but maybe you don't.
0: This whole life thing has just been one... Long blur. I don't believe you that we knew each other. But I can't can't point to specifics.
2: When I said that I blacked out when I was 12 and that I didn't remember the new animated series, that's lasted until. (laughs) I'm 36. Yeah, I'm 36 (laughs) just now. I'm technically blacked out currently.
1: (laughs) All right, so we have the defeated Talon, it's out of the picture. We have this great cliffhanger where they walk into the room of all the other coffins or whatever you want to call them, the little chambers, and they're like,
0: Cryogenic storage pods.
1: It's time to awaken the whole fucking crew. Wu-Tang assemble. Man, I was so glad because we had gone back and forth like, do we read both books? It's kind of a lot. We've been doing these more often. Like, yeah, let's do both. When I got to that last page, I was like, oh, thank God we did two.
2: <laughs> yeah, I yeah think it's one story. <laughs> if we would have left off, I would have been like, So the people are birds or they aren't birds?
1: (laughs) Man. I love that when they send this army to his house, he's fighting them off in nothing but a bathrobe, you know, climbing on the roof and shit and doing all this. And he's beat up. He's still recovering too. Yeah, exactly. He was talking about how like even the low light was very painful to his eye recovery. And I just, my favorite part of that is when Alfred, out of nowhere, he's hidden, crushes the last talon with the fucking (laughs) giant penny and is like, you're a lucky penny, sir. I'm like,
2: oh. I was waiting for Bruce to, like, tear off his pink bathrobe and and (laughs) pretend to not be who he was and stuff. Hooligans in my house. Yeah, yeah, hooligans. I'm like, this seems out of character. Where's Where's his pink bathrobe?
1: Man, and then we get that, the action figure of it, I think they called it the Hellbat suit, but w- whatever that fucking giant RoboCop shit is, is badass.
0: It's pretty awesome. It's the beginning of the tables turning, too, where if this whole story feels like he's he's being pushed back, and he's kind of off his game, in that moment of just him busting out of that thing like, in a giant suit of robot armor. You're in my <laughs> house.
2: And they're literally backed into whatever that little... Uh, Armory spot is, or yeah. whatever you know. I mean, they're fully in the house, fully in the bat cave, all up they in his business. Yeah, yeah. He's he has to like go into a closet with this old man and then come out in a giant robot suit.
1: Oh, where was the line? It might have been in that same scene where he's in the suit. He's talking about like the reanimation to Alfred, and he's like, You know what this means, right? means i can finally play rough <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. he's just fucking like he's motherfuckers up
2: someone's head into a wall or something like that yeah right yeah. after that like the next panel is some dude getting like super zapped like he's all blue lined up like he's getting just electrocuted into guts
1: more invincible
0: shit
2: if you could bring them back so they're dead already so yep. <laughs> i didn't actually kill him. Uh,
1: and the, code, the fucking uh when he gets the t-rex to stomp out a couple uh yeah dudes like oh man We've seen villains stumble into the cave before, but like, this is what would, I feel like, really happen if some motherfuckers came knocking at his door trying to fuck shit up, is like, oh, you want to see what the bat cave can do, motherfucker? All right. (laughs) Bring it.
0: (laughs) I didn't know the T-Rex was a booby trap. I would imagine it would be even more than the way it was shown here. (laughs) I think every single thing in that cave is a weapon.
1: Yeah. Where's the trap doors, you know?
0: There's way more trap doors he should have his own labyrinth underneath it that they fall into and get yeah.
1: stuck in for a week I've been telling my boss because I got those X's on the floor that are 6 feet away for people to stand on people keep leaning up on the counter and shit and I'm like man I just want to put a trap door right in front of that 6 foot uh-huh. mark so like anyone who stands in front of it for too long it just falls like oh that'd be great it, it doesn't kill them it just dumps them back into the parking lot you
2: have that those things that you'll see on Facebook or something where people do this super realistic street art and they'll, mm-hmm. you know, they'll like paint a, from a cave on the ground. Yeah. You just like, just instead like paint an optical illusion that'll make <laughs> people think that they'll fall into a spike
1: pit. That's funny. What
0: about a layer of bubble wrap and then a mat gently laid on top of that?
1: No, so I want, time- I want to shock them. <laughs> I want to scare the fuck out. Of, like they drop through a thing. F- but that's.
0: I think the bubble wrap will do it more because they'll step on the thing and it'll pop and they'll go.
1: I think losing the ground beneath you would be more startling than hearing a piece of bubble wrap pop.
0: But this- of the two things we're describing, only mine is something that could happen.
1: But this is my fantasy, so it doesn't have to be real.
0: Well, you are the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this, this is the Sam <laughs> that I'm talking about.
1: All right, so... The Bat family protects the targets while Bruce goes to Lincoln March.
0: He actually goes to Arkham, but that's in detective comics and I haven't read it. What? That happens in one panel it says 846. Oh. The Bat family will take care of the targets and then it's like I have to stop at Arkham and then it says 1146 it's like see detective comics.
2: Oh. There's a, there's a story that ties into this that I've never read. Well, oh, damn that's, it. That's true, though. I didn't notice the time, but I did notice that he's like, I gotta go to Arkham, and then they don't show anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I actually just took it as, I didn't think about the fact that <laughs> I never got to see it, but I just took it as whatever he did there. They can't show me currently because it must be integral to the story and it uh, would be like yeah. a spoiler. Or a so, yeah, it's gotta come out later. I was going to say that Ben was talking about all these different owl's nests, and it's cool that you get to see them uh, throughout history. But also, I feel the same way about the Talons in general. I think it's cool that this created an opportunity for, say, uh, Capullo had like 12 different designs, and he liked all of the designs and couldn't really settle on one, but this allowed him to do all of them instead versus like whittling a character down to one final design. He's like, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. And I'll just do all of them because there's just a crew of, you know, they hardly talk. They're hardly even characters, but here's just all this, you know, this one's a
1: swashbuckler. This one's a pilgrim. Well, I was talking to somebody about that yesterday on Instagram of like, sometimes when you watch a movie, you know, it's like a sequel. And like, well, why did you redesign the suit? to be almost the same. You could have just left it the same, you know, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, sell toys or whatever. So sometimes there's like unnecessary levels of that. And it's just because like, well, this is a new one. We got to do a slight redesign, keep things current. And in this case, it's like, well, I can just come up with a bunch of different variations and use them all. Yeah. Kind of a rare opportunity.
2: You could have a crew like the foot Clan. They all wear identical uniforms, but these are all similar in theme, but slightly different because they're sort of periodic, and then they're also beefed up with uh, new tech, too.
1: It's interesting, the shots that they've shared from the set of The Batman with Pattinson, Uh, his stuntman has those um, big... Things on his gauntlets that sort of looks like the Talon's costume in in this. It's, I'm wondering if they're going to do any sort of tie-in in the film because they they did this Court of Owls stuff a little bit in Gotham, the TV show. But uh, it'd be cool to see it, you know, in like a a real big budget serious movie. This two trade
2: story would fit in a movie nicely. Yeah, for sure. And I think that a a live action version of these Talon costumes would be awesome looking.
1: Yeah. So what I was getting at, though, is that scene where he finds Lincoln March is just a a great misdirect, you know. He's already, the hit's been carried out. He's bleeding out, you know. He's, like, giving him this uh, list of names, you know, for the court. Batman's going to leave him there and just be hot on the trail. I'm going to figure this shit out, you know. Goes and scares that old bitch in the tower at the Powers building. So I watched Batman Beyond as a child some but I didn't
0: watch all of it. And I didn't watch it the same way I watched the animated series. Although even that, I didn't. I don't think I watched as much as you guys did. But so I like that one of the main villains in that show is a Powers. Mm. Like from the, I, I think, I don't think I'm fucking that up. I think that's who it was. But so I, with her being a Powers too, I like that. Like again, tying in existing elements of Gotham yeah. that we know. So like these super rich, super powerful families are the same that they've always been. So finding uh-huh. the interesting ways to tie them into the story, I like
2: I really liked the scene even before, you know, the couple pages before the whole thing with Lincoln, where you have the different talons all simultaneously going to different targets. And so you have like, it's only a couple panels dedicated per target, but they they're all sort of like if it was scenes in a movie, you get the feeling that they're all saying this stuff kind of synchronized. The
0: assassinations at the end of The Godfather.
2: Yeah, you know this this talent is saying the same words as this talent and this talent or something kind of kind of like the mask of the
1: phantasm. You yeah. know, like your angel of death awaits. Be you, dude. Yeah,
2: uh, then I, I I just think that that's like a super dope way to, to to not spend very much time showing what these guys are doing, but they're all synced up, they're all saying the same stuff, they're all on the same page, executing their plan.
1: But the cool shit about the powers thing is that he just shows up there. To scare her, and it's sort of like what we talked about in Sub-Zero. He shows up at that broker's house in the middle of the night. You know, he uses him to bait a call for a belson. And in this one, he scares this old lady, knowing that she's going to call her husband and that he can monitor that call and try to trace it. And so then he winds up back at Harbor House is that first place he investigated way back many years ago He's like, "All right, this time it's going to be different." This time, he kicks open the door and they're all sitting there at the table. And then you take a closer look and their heads are hanging behind those those masks and it's like, "Oh, they fucking drank the Kool-Aid." Like they're <laughs> they're, they're all fucking dead. That's w- such a great reveal.
2: I wish they would have showed a little bit more in that part because he he I don't know what it would have been, but maybe just a couple panels of him like uh, you know, pulling a book on a bookcase and some passage or something like that because he, he alludes to the fact that he figured out that it is the place that he visited in the past, but he yeah. doesn't talk about like this room in particular. So, so what is he doing now that's different than then? Aside yeah, from What's like, enabling him to find this thing
0: that he found no evidence before?
2: Yeah, like other than the fact that maybe he happens to now be there when other bodies are there. And before it was vacant and that's why he didn't find something but other than that i expected him to like oh shit biscuits like there's one clue that i forgot about and have maybe show him putting something together and showing him finding a secret room that he hadn't seen before he in now when he goes there it seemingly looks like a magical room that he either had been to or just knows about and we don't like he just goes back in the same room he was at before he just like
1: well, that's what I was yeah. wondering. Is it the same room the that building. was cobwebbed in the beginning, uh, um, but but it. now it's that's populated? Because that's what I thought happened, and now you guys are saying it's making me wonder. Well, was that a different room that he could not find in the first place? I think yeah,
0: this time, weren't there a bunch of paintings
2: on the wall, and I the mean, second wh- time when he goes back,
1: but it what, but what, it's the same room he was makes, in, right?
2: Uh, maybe, uh, but I mean, what makes that different than other than he knows that those people. Is it just the fact that he thinks that those people would have recently convened and so he can catch
1: them there? Well, he no, he traced that call from uh, the powers woman to her husband.
2: To the harbor house. Who was there. Yeah, but and that so, seems like super, such a revelation or something.
1: Well, Which, yeah, but we've already established that the owls use a variety of nests that go through different eras and they move around and stuff. So, I mean, it's not implausible to think that he traced it back to a place that was a real quote unquote layer or whatever for them, but was no longer in use and then they are bouncing around and using it again. That's how I read it. Yeah. Cause I mean they have all these different properties that they use for this shit. So a group like this that's so shadowy, they're not gonna be like, all right, same place, same time, you know? I feel like they're gonna probably thirteenth floor, I'll see you there. Bounce around a little bit, you know?
2: I guess I just read it as more of a revelation on his part, not that like, oh, I was wrong. It was this place all along. I just need to go back there. The way I read it was that it was more of a thing. He was sort of right, but he wasn't thinking about it correctly. He sort of missed something there, so he needed to go back and revisit it.
0: Don't they talk about that in the story? The idea that like it's not when you deduce something, it's more like you remembered it. Yeah, you remembered yeah. something. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. Seen
2: which Mm -hmm. goes with that. Yeah. He talks about this other detective and how you have this feeling, and it's kind of like a a re-remembering of the stuff that you already knew.
1: Yeah, I love all the detective stuff in this. I mean, the thing that comes after this when you're building up towards the reveal, Bruce is back at the manor. He's talking to Alfred, and he just looks up at that painting of his parents, and he sees the little pin on his mom's shirt, it calls back to that scene in the beginning when he was talking with uh, Lincoln about the hospital and his mom had this heart pin that is from that hospital or whatever. And so this this is like, oh shit, wait. I know that fucking thing. Like, why didn't I put this together in the first place when he mentioned this? I'm sure I've walked by this painting a thousand times. I'm looking at their faces. I never, never thought of it, right? Never saw this thing laying around. I don't know. And so, you know, maybe she was wearing it when she died. And it's not something that's around the house. I don't know. But I I love that he just sees that painting. It puts it together for him. And he's like, wait, something about a sinkhole. Where was the sink? Hang on. And so he like pulls up. Oh, shit. This one, you know, Willowwood Children's Hospital or whatever had caved in. You know, and, and so, like, I just, the, it, it everything that we've seen so far is just setting the stage for this final confrontation. It's just so fucking, mmm, it's so tasty.
2: I loved all that stuff. I did, the whole time, I'm just thinking, I, I was content with possibly global, but otherwise, Gotham City, secret society. I, I thought yeah. that was going to be the whole thing. And he's going to, he's going to vanquish this group of goons. And I was totally content with that. Like, this is cool. It's, it's rolling out in a good way and I'm digging it. But then the whole stuff with his, um, Lincoln is possibly his brother, possibly not his brother. He did have a brother. Maybe it's not Lincoln. And yeah. like, I, I felt just kind of like, just sideswiped by that. Like, I did not think that you were going to be throwing that in as an extra element and like adding to the, the Wayne mythos and stuff. I I like, uh, it's got a sibling. I didn't, I wasn't expecting any of that.
1: Yeah. And this scene is so great because they give you that. I mean, again, it's kind of a, and I'm trying to, praise snyder here it's sort of a a hacky twist sometimes to to do that right that could, this but, could go really bad yeah it could yeah. it could to be like i am thomas wayne jr <laughs> you know he's like okay you know yeah. but like it was so well done and and you're just peeling back the layers and and it's oh it turns out that he was the one who uh laced the courts you know fucking uh-huh. ceremonial drink or whatever and 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 killed them all so he uh you know basically he, he put the head out on himself like he just like, there's so many great things at play here and then to plant the seed of doubt uh-huh. so they give you the big reveal and then you're like but maybe and yeah. then another but maybe and so it's like okay so wait and and you start to dig back through the memories and like well shit there was a car accident um yeah, she was pregnant. Uh, I don't think he survived the night. And they start digging back into what really happened. And so, the just the idea that maybe this guy is telling the truth, or yeah. or maybe he's lying, or maybe the court programmed this fucking reanimated corpse guy <laughs> to uh-huh. to believe that about himself. Like it's there's so many ways that it could play, and that's what makes it great is the fact that we can have this discussion later.
2: Yeah, and you get to the Alfred's dad backstory later oh. on, and he's talking about the, the car accident oh. at the intersection of Lincoln and March. I'm yep. Like, ah! Like, god dang it! It's cool because you don't know what to think. You yep. know you.
1: And so you it, if, if that had been, like, let's say the intersection that creates uh, Crime Alley, whatever that is, you know, that's the sort of thing that I feel like a Batman writer would do. Right, that the big twist, if you're going to use a Lincoln March sort of thing and you're merging street names for the location of this tragedy, you're going to use Uh the one that we know that is the catalyst for Batman, the Crime Alley murder of the Waynes, right? But they're using some other littler one that happened Uh prior to that, and so you're not seeing any of that shit coming. Well, it
0: could be be a little bit of a criticism. I don't – it it isn't for me, but – when you have clues like that that lead to something where it's like, my name's Lincoln March, don't you remember? Like the two streets where, like, that being the audience and having never seen that, it doesn't have quite the same effect as if we had seen that in some way. But that's hard to do when you're introducing so many new elements like the car crash, a brother, all those. Yeah. It's hard to
2: layer that stuff in earlier without giving away why you're even showing it to us. And you're really counting on the, the fact that people would have to be really observant of the illustrations you know like if you showed this fiery car crash and happened to feature the street signs and then the person happened to read the street signs when they're probably just focused on moving forward in the story you know that like that's that's the reader being a detective and not that people don't do it but that would be that would be like quite the conclusion for people to reach also crime alley makes a terrible name so that would be stupid <laughs> well no but I mean if it's you took club, it's like, I'm Crime Alley Wayne Jr. <laughs> <laughs> this character is going to come back and
0: he's going to be called Crime Alley so. yeah
2: yeah super rich super wealthy <laughs> <laughs> super awesome Crime Alley
1: okay so then we have the epilogue with uh, the Tynan Albuquerque one shot here from Jarvis Pennyworth i love that it's just in the form of his letter to alfred we get this great character development for martha wayne standing up against corruption and fucking fighting these motherfuckers she's like nine months pregnant or whatever and still just like taking no shit and thomas is like yeah i mean i get it we'll win the next round she's like no fuck that shit i ain't playing you know <laughs> i I just I really like that. then we get the Lincoln and March detail there again. That was not something that the fucking character said out loud. that's something we uncover on our own later that not even Bruce sees. you know that's fucking yeah, the a Part of the shit that makes it so enjoyable is that, again, like you said, the reader gets to be the detective a little bit. She planted a willow tree in his memory, and you're like, oh, shit, so was that Willowbrook-like thing real? Because like, at this point, you've already believed, okay, this story was planted by the court. This talent huh. believes he's Lincoln March. He believes he's Thomas Wayne Jr. He's not. But then you see... She plants the willow tree, and you're like, well, what the fuck then? Is that, maybe there's something more to that. And they leave it ambiguous, you know. And we have the threatening phone call to Jarvis saying, like, you better take her to this place next time. And that's not what happens, so the court comes after him. It's, like, so satisfying on many levels.
2: Yeah, I think that what doesn't make that whole Lincoln March thing stupid is that it's not a guy saying, yeah. My name's Lincoln March because I was born of a car accident on the intersection of streets Lincoln and March. That would be stupid, but it's it's kind of an aside from the story after the fact, given from the perspective of a person who isn't even in this story. Otherwise, yeah. And so, so by the time you get to it, you're like, oh shit, you know. And it kind of furthers the doubt, you know. It then it's tipping in the favor of the court really did just fuck with this dude's head. You know, they just they just put they were kind of pulling from sources. This name didn't come from nowhere. I like that. I like that side story. I think it's cool.
1: But I, I consider this really the end of the story and and um it brings so much more perspective, I think, the history of that character and what he was up against. Cause I mean, you don't know if this person lived or died. You really don't like it just kind of ends. And so, this is the one thing that gives you a little more to chew on with that cliffhanger, you know? Well, there was no body recovered.
2: He went under the water.
1: He's like Joker. Don't, don't, look. don't bother.
2: It makes me wonder what he's specifically alluding to when he's talking about hauntings and curses and, yeah. you know, they have all this family history and stuff, but like, what is what is
0: he referring to specifically? Yeah. The Talon thought no one was home, so he was taking a shower, and Jarvis
2: walked
0: in. <laughs> and He saw this guy fully naked, but with the Talon head thing on, and he's like, "Whoa!" And that's why he wrote the letter.
1: Yeah, he's reanimated, so he doesn't need shampoo. It's a <laughs> so little originally came up with it. It's a little known fact that zombies yeah, the, don't wash the first their
0: hair. That we see in uh, Batcave with the autopsy has that Greg Capullo flowing metal locks.
1: Yeah, the yeah, Superman here. Yeah, we'll
2: see more as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, he, lo- yeah he looks like new
1: Superman. <laughs> yep. Um, man, I got Easter eggs up to ass. I want to run through a couple real quick.
2: Better get those out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit.
1: <laughs> this is Easter eggs, a.k.a. anal beads. Let's just yank it. Yank it out. All right, so... That-
2: bat fat pawn brand <laughs> Anal beads
1: 89 batmobile in the cave jason todd's suit there's a great little scene early on where he's fighting the whisper gang in the in the like the subway and they have like these it's like their mouths have this metal fucking thing they can't take off as like a vow of silence or some weird shit i don't know how they eat and survive but he like magnetizes the, the train that yeah. comes by and like rips them all out. I thought that was fucking great. But like, what, awesome. but what it reminded me of the way that they look is like people at the grocery store now during the pandemic, like that shot, <laughs> they, the, what they have on their face looks exactly like we all look right now. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. The hand glider he uses just like prowling about the city if you listen to the commentary on the animated series, one of the directors, it might have been Eric Radomski. One of them said he hated the Batwing. He thought it was weird that he had this fucking UFO that he could just fly around, this like alien spaceship. He would always change the script so it was his glider. When I see this glider, I just automatically think of that show.
0: It was originally supposed to be a bat wing. So
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> Capullo was like, fuck that. Um, Bruce saying, computer, and then like a command, like do something, you know, that was something we always got on the animated series in the Bat Cave. Be like, computer analyze DNA sample on blah, blah, blah. Like he does that a lot in this. Um, the owl's maze. There's even a line that mentions a minotaur in there and I watched that episode the same day that I read this. Like I, I just happened to be at at that point of the "If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich?" Riddler episode where he gets trapped in the the maze. And then I read this that night. And I'm like, oh shit! Like this is a clear nod to that. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah Which a lot is of a
2: nod to mythology, anyways. I
1: think. And also, that same scene had the bloodshot eye that looked. Like a gnarly Frank Miller drawing or something, you know? Like, it, it, again, we talk about these little splashes of sort of horror exaggeration or whatever, but that totally reminded me of, had a very 80s vibe to it, you know?
0: Well, we have the, uh, like the five o'clock shadow started to, yep. Which again looks like Uh a little Frank Miller Batman.
1: Uh, we have the, the, I shall become a bat, like visions of bats, uh, sort of thing. I mean, they they also had him like, uh, what did he like throw a rock or shoot an arrow at the owl, or something like arrow. that? Yeah, I'm like, you're a little fucking sociopath <laughs> in the making. Yeah, we already
0: know that about him. Oh, Anyone yeah. who tells an honest Batman story already knows that about him. <laughs> <laughs> he and overcame that.
1: And then the other weird thing, uh, this is a reverse Easter egg, I guess. I was, I read City of Owls the next day, turned on the Harley Quinn cartoon, and They used the Hellbat suit. Oh,
0: nice.
1: Bruce had been injured or something, and so he was using that. But it was the exact fucking replica of the one from this story. Kind of random that the the two cartoons I watched that weekend were both in the two books I read. Uh, I
0: don't think it's random. I think you should be worried. (laughs) Somebody is watching you.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, my God.
2: I have a little easter egg also. Ooh. It's not much of one, but in the freeze... <laughs> Come on, don't sell yourself short. Uh, no, it's not that cool. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the little freeze one-shot, when he goes to collect his suit from the storage room, there's like a Riddler cane leaning up against the wall. Are we also not going to talk about the Mr. Freeze section at all?
1: I mean, we, I sort of brought it up it. in the Sub-Zero one. I don't, I yeah, don't... we
2: talked about it in the last episode. Okay. Yeah, well.
1: I don't really see how this is relevant to anything.
2: No, it's it's weird. Anyways, I don't really like it.
1: What about Harper Rowe? Do we like Harper?
2: I don't really like any of that stuff.
1: I like Harper. Not, I don't think it belongs uh, in this book, though.
2: No, I, I think, think it's, it's just weird. to acclimate readers to it more. Like, remember her? She's part of this. She'll come back later. Eh, it's just weird, though. I don't I don't care for the the different artist grouping, and those stories don't seem to have a lot to do with anything to me.
1: Well. Th- until the James Tynan detective series, I never read anything else with Harper in it. So there was like five years or something of missing I some development. With
0: her. I don't remember. She was like, she was a hero, and she had like electrical powers, or things that let her use electricity as weapons or something like that what's her
1: name again bluebird or something or yeah i think
0: it's bluebird or blue jay one or
1: the other yeah i i liked her more just as sort of a a, a plain clothes sort of you know smart kid trying to help out and gets caught up in the batman world you know I i don't know i thought that was kind of cool again i haven't read enough about it so I'll just claim to be ignorant, but saying I I don't really have any interest in going down that rabbit hole of another. He actually becomes the new
2: Batman if
0: you're in yeah.
1: Comics, yeah. But like another young kid who's smart and gets oh now you wear the costume and you know now we're gonna call you this and you fight crimes like eh, we got enough.
2: I wasn't familiar with that character at all, so I'm just like, what the fuck is this? What is (laughs) this? Yeah. Who is this? I I like,
1: what was the, she had a a good uh, exchange with Alfred in here that was actually kind of funny. What is it that she gets to go to some fundraiser or some event? Yeah. Because they're going to remodel her fucking...
2: uh, It does tie into his whole plan to revamp the city and stuff, and that's why she's, you know, she wanna raffle, and that's why she's there. It ties back to the beginning with the whole fundraiser ball and stuff. It's just kind of weird.
1: That's right. Okay, so I wasn't remembering that, but I yeah, I just opened the page, and him saying, a better, brighter Gotham is just one dream away, and so um, I forgot that it was the same scene that starts the book, and that's why it's in here. Yeah. But yeah, I love Alfred walking up as she's filling her bag with cookies from the trays. He's like, you're making a serious error, young lady, if you leave without tasting the brownies. Yeah. yeah.
2: that part is funny and i do like that the story kind of ends with the whole gotham is revisiting that as yes. a subject yes. and then as a whole story when you include the harper stuff then it kind of ends where it started as far as a timeline and the whole fundraiser and stuff and i thought that was cool just the artist change up is is a little weird to me and when i thought about where that makes it end versus if it had just ended at Capullo's stuff which yeah. one I preferred and I just preferred Capullo's large eyeball and, uh, <laughs> and the main storyline ending.
1: Man for me the Jarvis chapter is, oh, is really yeah. what makes it though like if you take this from Gotham is and then end it with the Jarvis letter burning up this is one of the most perfect Batman stories to exist
2: <laughs> Yeah I think that if uh, Capullo had stayed drawing the whole thing the whole time and then it ended with that, I like that, where it sort of ends, Bruce in the present, I'm going to continue watching over the city, brand new resolve, and then actually end it in the past, is pretty
1: cool to me. Yeah. Also,
2: I hate that Mr. Freeze with his little stupid mohawk thing, I I hate that design,
0: (laughs) I don't like that at all.
2: And the exposed
0: arms, to go with it, it just kind of...
2: Uh, fucking hardcore man You don't like it No I thought that his suit Was fine But I genuinely Dislike his little mohawk
0: Yeah I also don't like it To me he it goes meant- Hand in hand with it Just like I don't like That version of Mr. Freeze. I don't like He was already Interesting enough He doesn't
2: have to be A total creep Yeah I, don't I, I like it Oh but But I did I did like the uh, Well <laughs> One I like how he busts Into Penguin's casino yeah. And He's like, Well you actually better make this look like a robbery So then he like kills his goons up on the balcony. I'm like, well that's fucking cold, literally. Oh, oh, uh, uh, oh. nice <laughs> he did it But I did like the the weird different backstory and the stuff with that girl not being who he thought he was and stuff.
1: Anything else we wanna talk about in terms of prose that we didn't mention?
2: I like the parallel of him
0: investigating the owls when he's younger and then getting trapped in the harbor house for a week. Yeah. And then having that happen to him again later as Batman. I think that's a neat little callback.
1: Yeah, I think there's... (laughs) Good Lord.
0: Did you
2: bring your turntables out? What are you doing? (laughs) What's going on? It was just... Maybe my mic's rubbing on my shirt. I didn't do anything crazy. Your I looked at a book and it made a bunch of your,
1: sense. Your nipples got hard and it rubbed the mic.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yo, 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 yo. Oh, sorry, dudes.
1: No, uh, yeah, I think all the, the the great world building, the past and present being so linked in every aspect in this and just innovative things like the... The hallucination turning the page and just, I mean, uh, the action, whether it's, like, magnetizing that train or him being on the motorcycle and pulling a dude out, like, while he's riding by it and throwing it, like, I mean, there's just some great fucking meaty shit. Like, every page has something to be excited about.
2: My pros list says Bat Robo Suit, Hot Bat Knuckles. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I liked when he's when he's fighting Mr. Freeze and he has those, like, cattle branding brass yeah. knuckles that he's punching him with. That's cool. When
1: I read that uh, again, I thought, I wonder if that's where, not Scott Snyder, but Zack Snyder got that idea for uh, oh,
2: uh,
1: Batman versus Superman.
2: Also sort of disappointed in that fight. He punches Mr. Freeze, like, three times and then... Okay, granted, he's got the quote hot bat knuckles, um, <laughs> but but he punches him three times, and then Mister Freeze is just done. So I was like, that's uh, yeah, that's, ooh, that's that's the weird nature of Mister Freeze because Mister Freeze
0: is like not a ninja. Yeah, he just has ice a gun. He has an ice gun. Yeah. Mister Freeze has ice powers from his hands. Don't punch him.
1: Wait, well, I yeah. mean, if if you get close to him, he's he's over. His whole thing yeah. is he's got to be able to keep you at a distance to yeah. blast you. Yeah, he's,
0: uh, he gets such a good shot and so smart that he always knows what to freeze
2: while yeah. you're running at me plans. Um, I've been doing some some yard work around the house lately, and recently I drank from the hose out front and it was really it reminded me of like being a kid and drinking from the hose. And Mr. Freeze drinks from a hose in this. And I, th- I thought that was going to be the end of it. <laughs> I, he like, he like busts the hose off and then he's taking a drink and I was like, no shit, I just did this. And, but then he spits it on some goons and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Never mind, yeah. never mind. I just thought it was just...
1: You didn't spit yours on anybody?
2: Nah, I thought it was just taking a drink from the fire hose. I know
1: what it was doing. <laughs> <laughs> was that a reference to UHF?
2: You bet it is. Ah. You lucky, lucky little boy. You
1: get, you get to get drink, drink from, from, the from the fire hose. hose. Yay
0: a lucky 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 little boy cuz you know why? You get to drink from the fire
2: hole. Have you seen that, Ben? No. Oh, oh my, oh my gosh. god, do
1: yourself a favor.
2: Yeah, just watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Watch Weird Al UHF. Cons, all I wrote down was uh the changing of artist in the backup issues. That's just weird. And I guess I would lump in the out of place one shot at the end, too.
2: That was kind of a twofer with the artist change-up and the weird aside.
1: Yeah. Like, it had think, such a good ending. Just stop. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah, I Why think are, some of it was to tie an existing Batman villain
0: into the owls. Because yeah. he keeps repeating that like they're the ones who tricked him, that they took his technology to bring the Talons back to life.
1: I mean, yeah, but, but that like... That
0: was the goal. I don't yeah. like it
2: either, but... It
1: just doesn't matter at that point.
2: Yeah. it made me think of White Knight also, like, just somehow tying Mr. Freeze into this weird history of other people also again.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to draw him, dude.
2: Just. Yeah, that's true. Just, yeah. My cons list says Freeze's hair, artist switch up, which I don't really appreciate the side stories, nor do I like the fact that they're drawn by other people. And then my other thing was just a gripe, but in a fight between... Batman and Lincoln March. They're up in the air, and they're by an airplane. It made me think of a couple things. It's fiction. I know this. No oh, great. These guys are cinema sins. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going deep. Science. One, they can't be talking. They <laughs> are, at the very least, by an airplane. It's just fucking incredibly what? loud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The word bubbles aren't extra big. They're not yelling. They're talking. I'm they still talking like this. And I mean, Batman is like in an engine that he can't—he <laughs> can't hear. <laughs> so, one. Have you not guys? Able to hear.
1: Have you guys seen Shazam? No. Oh man, this is awesome scene where like uh, in the climax, they're—he's fighting the big bad at the end, right? And they're flying in the air the villain starts making this fucking speech and I'm going to lay out what I'm going to do to you. And then it cuts to a wide shot and they are like three blocks apart in the sky.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, Billy's like, are, are you talking to me? I, I can't hear a word you're saying. And I thought it was perfect. Cause it's exactly this kind of shit you're talking about.
2: That almost feels like an anime spoof because that happens all the time where these, Dudes are fighting on these like really epic landscapes and stuff, and they're not even close to each other at all. But yeah. they're not yelling either; they're just they're just talking, yeah. and we, the audience, hear it. But there's no way that they can hear each other. At it least do like,
1: like can- what the Avengers did, you know, in, in Age of Ultron in the beginning. Like they're just talking, but you've established that they have earpieces or something, you know, like because yeah. otherwise it makes no fucking sense. No. Um.
2: Two. They're. This airplane, despite the fact that we're seeing a still frame of the airplane, the airplane is moving. At um, Evan, will you do some research for me? How fast does a commercial airplane fly? Uh,
1: what are you doing? Uh, so like why you keep seven
2: or eight hundred miles an hour? yes yeah, seven? It, it's very fast. Wait. Yeah, quite fast.
1: Wait. Why do you keep what? calling him your name? You're going to f- confuse the audience.
2: What do you mean in the intro? I'm Ben Polonsky, and oh. that's that's Evan Vaughn.
1: He's been. This is okay.
2: I noticed.
0: I, I was like, there's no... If he was calling me Sam, I would think maybe he's having a stroke and he's getting us into... <laughs> he's calling me his name, so I know it's intentional. Well, I know, but yeah, like... I know who I am. I'm Evan.
2: <laughs> I, I think th- I... I'm, I'm in a maze. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to drink from the fountain. It's drunk, but I'm going to drink from the fountain. I'm Ben Quantz.
1: I guess if you've listened to this show long enough, you'll know that Evan commits to his bits until we stop recording. <laughs> Bingo.
2: <laughs> this plane is moving at... Hundreds of miles an hour. And Batman is hanging on. That's not probable. Even getting to that speed in the first place to catch yeah, up with the plane. Even getting to the speed, catching up with the plane. He's hanging on, not being sucked into the jet. He
0: they does. say it's it could be taking off or landing, but I know they're still going very
2: fast. At that point. I don't know about that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then no. generally when people are being like propelled, say Iron Man makes sense because Iron Man has like thrusters on him. And he's generally flying Superman style, like mostly boosted by his feet forward. And this guy, Lincoln March, talking to Batman, is standing facing Batman, facing the jets. That means he's flying backwards towards his back while standing in the air at the speed of this airplane. That seems pretty wild, also. He blows up. And then
1: Batman also climbs out of the jet turbine. And that seems really hard. Well, I, okay, so yeah, I'm looking at this. Kind of like, every line, though, every one of Lincoln's lines ends with exclamation points in this scene, though. So he is kind of shouting at him. I still, yeah, Bruce, you can't
2: hear that. Bruce, Every all,
1: one of his lines is like, Bruce, can you hear me? <laughs> well, and there's like bold and... These, like, four pages are all exclamation points, but Bruce doesn't. He just, you should take your own advice, you know, like, he's, what he's if, still... What if,
2: what if he actually can't hear him the whole time and Lincoln March is just having this, like, <laughs> super long monologue that, that doesn't matter to anybody? Batman just mutters to himself. And then he blows up. Yeah, he's like, I just have, like, this 12-minute speech and then he blows up in
1: mid-air.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to say that I love you!
1: Shit! <laughs> <laughs> Ben, did you have any other cons?
2: No, no I, I don't mean, just have some.
0: man! The- other- <laughs> 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 oh. uh, just some of the things that, because of the quality of the writing and the artwork, and the fact that this is a reboot, are not too bad. But not to rehash what I said before, but just some things that are kind of out there: uh, evil brother twist, secret society that's already been there.
1: So everything. the whole premise
0: (laughs) I mean it is the whole thing but it's not a pure con because I like it too but it is just so alien which is why I also think it would work well as a movie because if it exists completely on its own it's fine just within the context of a character that already exists and this is a continuation of that character some of it is a little far out
1: I think you're right that it shouldn't work as well as it does and that's kind of the, the beauty of it
0: yeah and this is my second time reading it. The first time reading it, I didn't have any negative thoughts at all. I was along for the ride and I really, really
1: and, enjoyed it. And now you're Arthur Fleck. All I have are negative <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's funny that a lot of times stuff boils down to execution because that's not the first time that we've talked about storylines that have been like, this could have been terrible. This had the potential to be so bad. Two Harleys. Yeah. yeah, but then it ends up being good and it really, you know, it ends up boiling down to like, the writing or the art or whatever, because something sells it, it could suck and it ends up being Batman, super awesome that, for the same reasons. Batman is one of the most iconic
0: fictional characters ever. Really? And so, no, I'm I'm giving you an introduction to the character. We no, should. That was a like, lie. You know, we <laughs> should
1: do a podcast about him.
0: I don't want to. I like Dupe, as I've said before. Dupe is my character. D O O P. But so introducing like an evil twin brother, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's strange. But as I was reading it, I really liked it. And I like that he just looks exactly the same, just bigger.
1: I think he just feels guilty for liking it. He's like, all this is really out there. It's kind of stupid. I don't know. But then he paused for a second and be like, but when I was reading it, it was pretty good. And so it's oh. like, you feel bad about yourself for liking it so much. No, I
0: don't. I'm just trying to make sure that what I'm saying aligns with the number I'm going to say at the end. Which is a four. Spoiler. I'll tell
1: you. Oh! Oh, so we're just going to skip the trifecta.
0: (laughs) Just like that, uh... I'm just telling you. So that's everything I say. I want to couch with that feel that it's not only is it net positive, it's heavy on the positive side, but some of it is a little wacky.
1: Okay, well, to pretend that didn't happen (laughs) and go into your section of the show, (laughs) the trifecta is... Detective oh, yeah. Ninja uh, yeah, guys, why don't we drama. talk about the, uh,
2: the Batman trifecta that I invented myself,
1: <laughs> <Blonsky>. <laughs> So, I think this is one of the greatest examples we've read for a detective. I have a longer list than pros, cons, or anything for a detective. I mean, the fucking Batcave contacts performing remote autopsies, testing DNA from fingernails, exhumed the body of his great-grandfather and found trace evidence of... Uh, stabbing in the bones and like the rock that r- led him to the fucking Talon's maze you know like I mean the taste of the fountain water telling him how close they are to the river using the filament in the camera in the maze to spark yeah, the super, explosion super pretty cool. that's some fucking Batman shit man like this is this is uh, Bruce at his smartest version I think most resourceful
2: yeah, I agree with you
1: there. Yep. Well, I kind of just went off on that. Anyone want to take Ninja?
2: I thought you were going to go for longer.
1: That's what she said.
2: Uh, oh, That's true. Oh. No, not to me, Ben Belonsky. <laughs> <laughs> See, they
0: always say, uh, it's a bit much. No, no right woman has no ever griped about my stamina.
1: I got shit to do today, man.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I did detective thing i explicitly marked because that really with the uh the potassium chlorate in the lens yeah like that really stood out to me that he's observing everything that's going on around him despite the state he's in and figuring out a way to use his environment to his advantage but so i think that goes with the ninja thing too yeah but his overall physical ability i mean he's taking on these guys who were the right-hand assassins for the secret society that's so secret even he didn't know about it so they must be pretty tough and yet he still takes them on he survives in that maze for a week. Yeah. And, uh, no food, very little water. It's drugged.
1: And the bathrobe he, fight.
0: Yeah, completely.
1: No utility belt. Guard. No armor. No preparedness. Yeah, they say Batman could beat anyone with enough prep time. Right? He had no prep time. He's basically uh-huh. caught with his pants around his ankles, and he still comes out victorious. You know. Yeah.
0: The really the ninja thing for me is in that maze how fucked up he gets and still manages to come through. Yeah. And I like the way they portray that of him like becoming, at least in his mind, like a beast. Mm -hmm. Coming back from the scene right before that is him on the ground crying, ready to just give up.
1: Yeah. Well, on that note, trauma? Not a lot. I mean, this is very much tied to his parents without necessarily being tied to their murder specifically.
2: I appreciate that he shows emotion especially in the maze. Like he's capable, he has a range, he's he's in a low spot and he's really desperate. But then he also returns to like standard cold shoulder Bruce in yeah. the Batcave stuff. So you do get like a little bit it's not motivated by trauma, it's just like damn, like this dude that we know to be to to be a really durable guy has also been pushed to the limit. You know, you could, you, he even sheds a tear sometimes. And then he turns uh, back and,
1: into Sammy Warmhands. Yeah and, then
2: he's, yeah. and then straight back to Sammy Warmhands.
1: <laughs> I like that the whole Lincoln March thing allows him to uncover some forgotten memories. Sort of like we saw in Batman Forever, actually, is one of the better parts of it where he's, oh yeah, you know what, that, did happen there was a car accident there oh yeah my mom did you know and and have him pieced together a little more of his really early i mean age three is you're just barely making memories at that point so um i do think that that stuff's cool to dig back on the early years without repeating shit we've already seen And, and and you're actually giving the character something. You're giving him a part of his past
0: back. It's a little risky in the same way I complained about that other stuff before that it's like you're concocting stuff. You're coming up with a new backstory for him which is risky. It works well but it is a little like oh yes, those repressed memories I had. Actually, there was that one time when we were in the Himalayas and I went through and... I'm not with you. No one is. I'm two steps ahead of everyone at all.
1: (laughs) Now you're Batman. (laughs) all right well we know ben's rating ev
2: i'll say a four also
1: i give it to five man i fucking uh, this this story thrills me i really get a kick out of it and i love the way it looks
2: honestly i think that the only stuff that brings it down to me is the side stories and the other artists yeah uh, if, if it existed by itself or if Maybe even if it included all the same stuff, but with the consistency of the same artist, then I would feel a little bit differently too. I love the main storyline. I just don't care for the other stuff very much. Yeah. I read it digital this time, and I pretty much
0: only read the Batman issues, so it didn't have a lot of the side stories. Like I don't, The only Harper stuff I got was when she rescues him from, from the electrical the stuff. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get any of the other stuff.
1: Yeah, that was it. This it, was, time. it was just the one issue.
2: Oh, the, I thought there was and, a thing of her in the fundraiser too. That's it. And but isn't that like, the same? In the one that I read, the Mr. Freeze story is kind of plopped in the middle-ish. Oh, really? An annual. Yeah, and then oh. it returns to Court of Owls or whatever it is. If and you look then, at the book, what does it say? What does it collect?
1: collects Batman 8 through 12 and annual one. And so when I read it, the Harper shit is tacked on after the Jarvis epilogue. And, yeah, then, the, how, and, then, and then the Freeze issue is tacked on after that.
2: Oh, my freeze stuff existed during the Owls storyline. Okay, so it, it I'm reading it. it.
1: I'm giving it the, the five star going like, yeah, I'm just pretending that fucking post credit scene uh, doesn't exist, you know. Yeah. But like, I yeah, I could see how if, if you're reading the story and that's in the middle of it, you'd be like, what is this whack shit?
0: Well, Evan, I mean, yeah. excuse me, well, Ben. Yes. Assuming Evan. that stuff isn't in this story, what would you rate it? Assuming none of those side stories were here.
2: I think a five. The narrative is awesome. The characters are dope. Greg Capullo isn't my favorite, but I still oh, really like I it hate a lot. You. <laughs> and and mostly the story really does it for me. I like this culmination of history, secret society stuff.
1: He's the illest, man. Look at that. Oh, Look at man, that.
2: I talked about Jim Lee's stuff when we did the All Star one. Yeah. And how some pencilers really are pencilers in like the ultimate sense of the word. It's possible that they work in other medium, but Really, that's their thing, but it also makes them really reliant on an inker, and you have those in-between covers, and you'll have pencil versions of the Mm covers, and a lot like Leeds, his art leaves so much room for interpretation that you can really see how every single inker would make his stuff look very different, I would think, Mm -hmm. without having seen a lot of it he must lay his pencil sideways and he shades. So it's like this really broad stroke, like, well, how is a person supposed to interpret that? Because what do you do with that with a pen? I bet that he works really quickly and he's more about pumping this stuff out. He's got this consistency, but I don't think that he like pours over the details. He lets somebody else kind of fill in with their imagination. He just puts a lot of faith in the inker lets them do their thing with it and then together it just is whatever it ends up being well a lot of then i don't want to undersell
1: jonathan glapian then because i don't really know as much about you know drawing and the process as you do and so i really sing capullo's praises a lot as huh. as being one of my favorites so shout out to jonathan glapian for uh the the inks on this we already mentioned well, it, the colors from fco but
0: uh-huh. Like they say in Mallrats, the anchor is just a guy who traces. <laughs> comes over later and just traces over everything.
1: That was Chasing Amy.
2: Oh, whatever.
0: That's See, I'm, I'm playing movies. my
1: role.
2: <laughs> nice job, dumbass Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what really makes that sink into me is like, um, in particular, there's... Uh, after the maze stuff, I think, you have one of the one of the issues, like the next issue is... Batman, over the shoulder, looking like a crazy, like, owl character. Yes. He's got, like, he's got claw hands and and he's in feathers and stuff. And one thing I noticed about then the next version is, um, like, an ink or colored version. One, one of the hands is altered, so either, like, Capullo decided after the fact or somebody else decided after the fact that it was weird and he wanted to change it. But also, like, if you look at the shape of his shoulder the shape of the shoulder in the penciled version versus the finished one is different. So somebody corrected that, whether it was him or somebody else again, that he was like trusting to make corrections or something. But mostly I think about if even say the inker really just does trace people's pencils with whatever tool they prefer. When I think about inking somebody's stuff, how would I do it? And when I look at his pencils, I don't really know what to make of some of his shapes or his shadings so if you drew very literally like this is the line this is what you trace it's pretty straightforward but when you got these guys who must be just working quick and keeping it loose and it's more about just finishing a page and composition and stuff like that then you really leave because somebody else is going to arrive at the same thing like what the fuck do i do but, <laughs> but they're allowed to do Whatever it is that they do, because that's the rapport that they have. Yeah, they trust in the skill.
0: And I think a lot of this stuff is done digitally, so it can be undone.
1: That's true. A lot of trust put into that, though. For me, that'd be like if I record a song and send it to someone else to mix my song, you know, I have very thoughtfully chosen that person to Mm -hmm. do this specific Uh project, because otherwise you know you're gonna get the wrong version of the thing you made you know so I I think that they make a great team
2: especially if it isn't done digitally because there is no erasing ink there's whiteout but you're actually erasing your original pencils you know you great guy, I, uh,
0: I fucked up your original so can you just quickly draw me a whole another one
1: <laughs> sorry bro all right that is our show thank you guys so much for listening once again you can support by just taking a screenshot right now post that to your stories and you can tag us at bat Fan addict a-d-d-i-c-t and just let people know you're listening help us spread the word now i've got a shout out a very special cameo we have kevin conroy at the beginning of the show and now we have lauren lester at the end of the show so we're gonna get a little shout out from robin here in a second Next time, we're going to do back-to-back episodes of Frank Miller Classics. As always, we're going to start with the animated film, and then we're going to dive into the comics. So the next episode will be an extra long one. We're going to do parts one and two, The Dark Knight Returns. Stay tuned.
0: This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman.